So when Dave asked me to say something, um, you know, of course, right away, you're like, well, what am I going to talk about? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's so many things we could talk about, but really, it's <laughs> just the way the Lord works with me, um, because I am kind of more like a Mary, like, I don't care. I'm just going to sit at his feet. You know, I, I don't have an agenda. Let's just, you know, whatever. We'll just wing it. And I, I do wing it a lot. Um, and so... So as Ramon was saying, it's like, you know, don't follow the program. And even Dave prayed over me this morning, gave me permission to kind of mess up and just to go, go how it goes. Amen. So that's a lot of freedom. Amen. And it's kind of, it kind of, it ties into what the Lord put on my heart because I have to preach what is on my heart. Right. So this has just been overwhelming. Hopefully I can get through this because it really is. Um, such a huge thing. I, I don't think I'm fully even understand it. You know what I mean? So not bring, not coming saying, hey, I have this all figured out. Just saying, hey, there's some stuff here. Like we were praying, you know, Lord, show us more. I want to know more. There's so much more to who he is. But it's his goodness. It's, it's more of his good. It's not like head knowledge. Like I need to learn you know, to memorize more scripture. I need to learn how good he is and put those things on in the light and the truth of what he says about me, right? So a little while ago, someone said to me, and in fact, um, one of the verses in one of the songs said, um, you know, what I'm bringing to you, it's, it's really not worth, it, 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 I, I can't remember the exact wording, but it's really not worth, um, you know, your glory. It's, it, you know, it's, it's not a good uh, sacrifice, um, and, and we hear that in music all the time. There's songs, and we think that we're being, we're, we're recognizing God's holiness and who He is by demeaning ourselves to say, I'm really not worth, you know, as a sacrifice to you. And I had somebody close to me actually say, like, you know, we're really not worth God's love. We're really not worth. And I, I, I interrupted and I corrected them. I said, No, you're wrong. We are worth His love. Yes. Yes. We are so worth His love. Well, how do I know that? Well, let's get into the Word. <laughs> so this comes from Hosea. Um, and Hosea goes on. I mean, there's a lot of things that Hosea... I just love Hosea. But real quick, I have a bunch of verses I want to use to kind of build the case. And then we'll get into some of the, some of the things that the Lord's been showing me. Um, so Hosea goes on. He's talking about how Israel's fallen away. And Israel's done all these things. That he, they've, they've just left um, what he's called them to. He basically told them they've gone into adultery. They've followed other gods. They're doing other things. But then he says, after saying all that, but I will betroth you to me forever. So even that, even like, see, like as a Martha, we, we measure our success by what we do and how well we do it and all the things that line up. And if I've done enough well, then I feel like I'm worthy, right? But Mary says... I'm just here. I haven't done anything, and I don't feel like doing anything. I'm just going to come to you, right? So the Lord says, it's his desire. He says, I will. That means I don't have to do anything. Amen. So he will. I will betroth you to me forever. That's him saying it. <laughs> I will betroth you in righteousness and justice. Whose righteousness? Not, not mine. His. In love and compassion. Whose love? His love. His compassion. That's his, that's his desire. He's telling us his heart towards us. He wants to betroth us. And in, in the Old Testament, the betrothal 
was the promise to be married. Didn't mean you were actually you were cohabitating or living together, but you were you were in the process, and it was like a done thing. But it hadn't you hadn't come together yet. But I've promised to you this is what's going to come. And then the and then that's where the bridegroom comes. All those parables about the you know the the bride is waiting, and then the bridegroom comes to get his bride and take her away. It's awesome. So um, amen. So then. In his love and compassion, I will betroth you in faithfulness. His faithfulness. <laughs> That's his desire. He says that. As Tim has taught, the covenant is like when God makes the covenant, right? He keeps both ends of the covenant, right? I mean, I'm called to the covenant, but he says, I'm going to keep my end, but I'm going to do everything for you to keep your end too. And then you will acknowledge the Lord. Amen. At that, at that point, when you see his goodness, and how I'm betrothed to him, you're Lord, you're amazing. It's so good. Praise Amen. <laughs> so um, one thing in my study, what I found is uh, in the Hebrew, um, you know, the way they do things, that wives were chosen by their parents. The wife was chosen by the father. That's really get me. So. <laughs> so we're going to use some analogies to, to show. And, and an analogy is just something that is compared to something that we know so that we can understand something that we don't know. Right. So an analogy takes what's what we can talk about because we have experience with it to project into what God wants to do for us. Right. So let's go to the next slide, Sharon, if you don't mind. And so what kicked this all off is my daughter's wedding. Um, it was really awesome. It was, it was amazing. So that's Hannah. And um, it was quite an experience and really was a, kind of the most amazing wedding I've ever been to. Sorry, honey. It was, I think it was better than ours. Because now I understand what's going on. Now I understand what the truth is. And now also as a father, being the father, giving away my daughter to this, to this man. It was amazing. So there was so much that came out of that. But one of the things is they asked me, um, Hannah and, and her husband, Taylor, asked me to please uh, pray over them. And I didn't know I was going to pray, uh, like stand up and do a prayer while they were at the altar until we were at like the rehearsal dinner and, and or at the rehearsal. And so we did that. And, um, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I better come up with something, you know. And there's always that, like, well, again, I, I guess so there is a Martha thing there. Like, Whoa, well, got to, you know, got to do this. Got to make sure it's good. Got to. And so I walked away from the little area. Um, it was like in this in this um, old barn. I don't know what you would call it. And it was like a field thing, you know, whatever. I walked away and I started praying. I was like, Lord, you have to give me something here. And I heard him say, in my heart, I, I heard him say, for this reason. For this reason. And I was like, well, what does that mean? So I had to go Google it. Google's awesome for finding stuff. And uh, it's, in, it's, in, it's in Genesis. For this reason. God made man, right, and female. And for this reason, they shall be joined together. So it was God's intention. I never saw it like that. I always thought like, well, I mean, and Jesus does give us the right. He says, you don't have to marry, you know, but, but for this reason, there's intentionality. God created us to be united together. It was God's purpose and his plan. So there's, so there's forethought to that. There's, there's a plan that men and women should come together and be united together. 
And then this models, as later Paul talks about, this models the relationship that we have with Jesus. Right? So there's, there's just a lot going on here. So let's go to the next um, um, slide. Is here Jesus calls himself the bridegroom. And so this should be start, this is the tip off, right? As we start to read the New Testament, Jesus refers to himself as the bridegroom. And he's talking to the Pharisees about fasting, and he says, Look, hey, I'm the bridegroom. You know, and, and as long as the guests are with the bridegroom, how can they fast? You know? And so um, so here he's he's calling himself that, which is good. Let's go to the next slide. I'm I'm not quite sure how this goes, but um, so then he refers to the bridegroom himself as the bridegroom numerous times. So, and then he talks about the wise and foolish virgins and, and how the, the bridegroom's going to come. He was a long time in coming, and this is kind of a story of, of like his, his return. And, the, you know, you start to see through the, through the New Testament or through the, the verses how the Lord is, 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 is modeling himself as the bridegroom and, and the church or the body as the bride. And, and you see a bunch of references to that. So let's go to the next, next one. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, so we had to split that one up. So <laughs> keep going. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so here in Ephesians, Paul is uh, encouraging <clears throat> believers to love your wives just as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. So again, here, like in Hosea, we're tying into... God does. God's making her holy. <laughs> cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And so just pay attention to that word cleansing, right? And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So God's doing, he's making her holy to present her to himself, right? And that he's going to do that, like create without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, holy and blameless. Well, I don't see, I, I don't see a lot there where the bride is doing anything. It doesn't seem like the bride has to do anything. She's, he's doing, he's, he's making her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water. Uh, I mean, I guess if you want to look at it, the bride has to allow herself to be washed by water. So there's a, an engagement there, but the heavy lifting, as it were, is all being done by him. So it doesn't seem very onerous for the bride, is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then on the next slide, Sharon, um, in Revelations, the angel says, write this down, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. These are the true words of God. Who's invited to the wedding supper? Us, everyone, everyone's invited, and we'll see that at the next one. So, just going through it. Okay, so here's the, here's the, what I think like the Mac Daddy parable of the wedding banquet. Yeah, because Jesus is talking again about the kingdom of heaven as the king who prepares a wedding banquet for his son. That's pretty clear. <laughs> the king prepares a wedding banquet for his son. Now the king has already chosen the bride and the son are going to get together. And in his joy, he sends his servants out to invite those who've been invited to the banquet and tell them to come, but they refuse to come, right? So um, it's kind of funny. There's, so he's inviting those like servants. So if he's the king, 
the nobles and the landowners, they serve the king. The king, you know, over, I mean, I'm kind of reading into this, and so forgive me, it's a little licensed, but the king is like, a, he's the head of all the servants, and like he has his nobles, and then he has, and there's probably ranks, you go, you know, nobleman, um, squire, whatever, I, I don't even know how that goes, but I mean, there's a, there's a strata, and he invites all the nobles to come, but they give them all these reasons why they can't come. They have all these excuses that, that seem, well, they actually aren't uh, reasonable. They're ridiculous. You know, uh, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, my oxen and fattened, uh, everything's ready, blah, blah, blah. They paid no attention. They went off, one to his field, another to his business. Like, what? The king's son's getting married. It's a huge event. They, I mean, this is obviously going to be close to the king's heart, and you can't come because you're too busy. All right? So they paid no attention, went off. So let's uh, go to the next slide. And then there's some part in there about persecution, but the king becomes enraged. So he says, the, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you can find. And what's funny is when Anne and I were married, we, you know, we invited a, a bunch of people. We got married up in Maine, so it was a little far to go, and I understand that. But what happened, I invited some friends from school, and I remember um, they said they would come, and then they didn't come. And so there were empty places at the table. And in my joy, you know, you're just so full of joy and expansive. But that day, I was like, I, this verse came to mind, and I realized, in my joy, I would invite anybody off the street. Come on in and just, just be with us because I want you to share in the joy that I have today. It's an amazing day. I'm so excited. And the banquet's ready. I mean, come on in. It's here. It's, it's wide open. And then there are those who, who, you know, I wanted to come, but they, they are not worthy to come because they, what, didn't want to. Right? So it's not that they somehow, uh, you know, failed to rise to the level of being worthy. They didn't want to come. So it's not a question of striving, it's a question of desire. So here the king says, okay, the ones that I invited said they're not gonna come. So go out to the streets and gather the lame, the sick, the, you know, uh, the good, the bad, and to what? I'm getting messed up. So the servants went out to the streets and gathered all the people they could find. So there's some, some, uh, um, some, Versions, or I guess biblical versions, that talk about the lame, the sick, the blind, the, the, you know, those that seem unworthy, uh, the poor, right? And have them come in. And so when the king comes in to see the guests, he noticed a man there that was not wearing wedding clothes. So one of the people, so now he, he's, he's castigated all the nobles and, and destroyed them, right? Because they didn't want to come. And here he's gone out to ask all these people to come in. It seems so uh, expansive. He's so full of joy. The people come in and then there's one person there that's not wearing the wedding clothes. And he says, friend, how come you don't have the wedding garment on? How did you get in here without wedding clothes on, friend? Well, if you want to read into this, the king, when he invited those off the street, well, they don't have any money for wedding clothes. They don't have, they don't have anything. They're blind, sick, poor, lame. They're, they, they're not like the nobles. They don't have these fine wedding dress. So those wedding clothes were given to them by the king. The king gave them the wedding clothes. 
And so the one who doesn't have the wedding clothes on chose not to wear it. Didn't want it. And so what is, what is really happening here? And so, like, who's lame and blind and poor? And, well, that would be us. I'm, 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 I'm blind, spiritually blind. I want to see more. We just sang that. I want to see more. I want to know him more. I'm lame. There's some things in my life, right, that aren't as they should be. And I'm poor in spirit, right? And so I come into the wedding feast and here the king in his expansiveness has given us the wedding garment to wear. And then in my hubris or in my, well, I'm not going to wear that. So really what he's saying to the king is, you're not my king. I'm just going to reject what you're what you're giving me. You're giving it to me and I don't want it because I don't think I really need it because I'm good enough on my own. (laughs) But here the king has done everything. (laughs) So (laughs) that's kind of, that was an amazing, as I was uh, studying that, that was, so, okay. So let's go to the next verse. So here, Isaiah, the next uh, page, Sharon, here Isaiah even talks about it. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bride. See, there it is. <laughs> that just pushes me over the edge right there. I see that. He says bridegroom. And the bride adorns herself with her jewels. Just like that. Well, was Isaiah, did I, was Isaiah righteous? No, he stands up. He says, woe to me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Woe, I've seen the king. I now must die. Yet he realizes, he recognizes there's a way. If God makes a way, God, if you give me the garment, if you give it to me, then I'll be righteous. If I can wear this garment, then I can come into your presence. Right? Just like the bridegroom. So here we go. So so that brings us back, Sharon, to the next one. That brings us back to this picture. Which just kills me. I can't. It keeps getting me because this is the moment where Hannah and I had walked down the path. Now off to the right, you can't really see it, but there's a, there's a path down through the trees, down to the field where all the guests are and where the wedding party's waiting. So this moment, it's just her and I. And the Lord told me to take this picture. And she said, Dad, what are you doing? Put your phone away. There's plenty of photographers around. They'll get a picture. And I said, no, honey. I, I want to take this picture now. Because, well, because the Lord told me to. I'm being faithful. But because I knew, because he was already working on my heart, I knew what this was going to do to me. Right? Because here she is. So here's the bride. Arrayed in her wedding garment. So the wedding garment... <laughs> Well, it's hard to have anything on underneath the wedding garment. There's nothing that you're carrying with you. In fact, there's, I mean, the wedding garment is, it's all the wedding garment. There's not, it's not like she's got a heavy coat for the cold. It's not like she's got something that she's keeping hidden and that she's going to bring into this situation. She's completely free. She's got the wedding garment on. Uh, To get to this point, there was a lot of time that went into this point. To get to this point. She, it didn't just happen. She didn't just show up and then here I am. There was some process. There was a process of, of, of submitting herself to the process of getting ready. 
And in fact, there was a, there was a, a beautification time. There was a, right. So that, that process, it's, it's like what, um, uh, what's her face? What's her name? No, 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 no. Um, and the king, the beautification process. Oh, Esther. Esther goes through this be- one year of beautification treatments to get ready for the night with the king. It's this moment of like, uh, of, 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 of the worth of the king measures the amount of preparation for me to get ready to present myself. So that, so when we talked about like, what does the bride have to do? Well, these are things the bride had to do is submit herself to that is to willingly step into that, to say, that's, yeah, I'm ready. Now, she also had to forsake all others. She's going to the altar to, meet, to be betrothed. I mean, she's already betrothed, right? The promise is there. She's going to finalize the, the thing with her husband. So there's no one else. She's, she's forsaken all others at this point. She's ready to, <laughs> she's ready to meet the king. She's ready to be bonded to, I mean, as the bride, as a picture of the bride, this is, this is us, betrothed, ready. I've got the wedding garment on, I've received it. You notice there's nothing on the wedding garment that could make it more white. There's, no, there's nothing to put on it that makes it, that makes it better. When I put the wedding garment on and I receive it, there's nothing I need to add to it to be more righteous. I'm 100% righteous, right? But underneath the wedding garment, I look under, there's flesh under there. Amen? And see, even if, so through the process and the beautification treatment, it's awesome. But even if it was just the day before and, and there wasn't the beautification process and I put the wedding garment on, like the thief on the cross, still righteous. See what I mean? So Martha doesn't have to worry about how much she's done. And Mary could just right off the bat, just sit at his feet and put the wedding garment on and be righteous. And so when I start to say that I'm not worthy and I don't deserve his love, when he's done all of this for me and all he asks me to do is put the wedding garment on. All I have to do is put it on. And I look amazing in it. I look amazing because I'm fit for a king, I'm fit, I'm ready for the king. And when I put that on, and see, we think it is, like I said before, we think it's somehow holy when we say we're not worthy or whatever. But God so wants us to see us like this. He wants to see ourselves like this. And see, what did she, I mean, no, I'm sorry, I'm kind of all over the place, but. <laughs> when. To start this whole process off, what started her down this road to get to that point? Well, there's, you know, she had to say, uh, she would go out with this guy who said, hey, let's go get coffee. And it started the process and she started, her heart was open to, to know him and to start to talk to him. And that was awesome. But there was a final moment where they went for a hike up on this boulder field and he sets this whole thing up and it kind of didn't go right. You know, he set the camera up because she's out looking over. That's a beautiful view. And he set the camera up trying to get it ready so that the camera would catch him kneel before her and, and say, would you marry me? And so she had to say yes. And she said yes. That sealed the betrothal. Yes, I'm yours. And that's what we have to do. Yes. So I'll take all of the stuff 
Everything that I have, everything that doesn't line up and isn't, isn't fixed with like the way I know it should be, the way I was created to be in his image, because sin has come along and so damaged me and done all these different things and, and transformed me into an image that doesn't even look anything like what God had intended. I just have to say yes to what he says. And he says, Alan, would you, would you be my bride? Amen. <laughs> and I said, yes, it's amazing. In fact, at one point I was so overwhelmed with everything that was going on during the wedding. And um, I said to Tim, I was like, what did I do to deserve this? And he said, you said yes. He said yes to the king. And that's when he starts to show us even more than what we could even imagine. And you see that even Hannah there is standing there. She's holding a bouquet. And I was like, Lord, what does the bouquet mean? You know, because if we're going to talk in analogies and about, about all these different things, what does the bouquet mean? He's like, that's the fruit. That's the fruit. You get to present the fruit to me, the king. You come bearing gifts. You come bearing the fruit. Here it is. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so amazing. And she was so full of joy. And, and it, was, it, was such a, it was such a neat time. It was really amazing. And I, I was able to just talking to her. I told her a couple things that the Lord had put on my heart to just share with her. And like I was telling Dave this morning, that was the last time as a dad that I got to just be with my daughter. So that, that moment of like sending her off. Now she's with you know, she's with another man, and she, she's off on her own. She's doing awesome. They're having, having an awesome time. But so I, I spoke to her, and, and it, was, it was lovely. She told me she loved me, and it was, it, was, it was priceless. And then we walked down. But so us walking down, she's also trusting. And here's where it gets a little. This is part of where the bride starts to live in the wedding dress. She's trusting that she's going to be accepted at the altar. She's not going to be rejected. She's received as worthy. Right? She's not rejected. She will not see shame. Now, how many times? Now, I didn't look it up, but I know for a fact that all through the Bible, the Lord is saying through Isaiah, Proverbs, Psalms, my servant will not see shame. My servant will not see shame. In fact, one time the Lord gave that to me. It was, it was awesome. Uh, he said, you will not see shame in this. And it was some really trying time. And I've really st- stood on that word that you will not see shame, that I'm going to redeem you. you. You don't have to worry about the outcome, Martha. You can just rest and know who I am and, and know that you're, you're being changed. Right? So... If she's not going to see shame, that means that guilt, condemnation, and shame are nowhere near her. The bride. Us, the bride. Guilt, condemnation, and shame are never from God. They're never from God. That is always from the devil. So if you're sensing guilt, guilt says you're not forgiven. Guilt says you haven't been forgiven, but... What did Jesus do for us? Come on, it's so simple. We see, oh, I don't feel forgiven. You are forgiven. Jesus says you are. Put the wedding garment on. And I've, I'm telling you, church, there are times when things come and they come out of nowhere. Jesus says a stranger's voice they won't follow. Doesn't mean you won't hear it. So you're going to hear the voice. It's going to come and say, you're no good. You'll never measure up. And that's when you say, no, Lord, I receive your wedding garment. Lord, I receive what you've given me and I put it on and I just look amazing. Thank you, Father, for loving me. And I go on with my day. And guess what? Those voices lose the ability to speak into that area of my life. Because every time they try to do that, I'm worshiping my father. 
I'm in worship. I'm in, I'm in great relationship. In fact, and then he starts to speak to me. Oh, I love it when you worship me like that, Alan. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay, Lord. <laughs> I'm a mess. <laughs> so condemnation says that my life is worthy of judgment. My life's not worthy of judgment. I'm wearing the wedding garment. He's come for me. He, it was his plan that I be his bride. It was his plan all along. So listen, I've already won. That's right. I've already succeeded. I'm his bride. I've got it. I don't need to do anything else. There's nothing else I need to do to measure up. I've already measured up. I'm 100% pure. So if my life now is not worthy of judgment, right? I'm, I, I mean, I've, I'm already covered. Well, now I'm free to what? I'm free to go and love you. Or I'm free to just... Do what God calls me to do. Hey, I want you to speak next Sunday. Awesome. Praise God. Love it. Shame tries to say that this is still who you are. Guilt, condemnation, and shame. They all go together. It's one of the three. You're going to get one of the three. And that's all the enemy has to do is to try to hammer you with those three things. So, so all the if, if guilt and condemnation are, are dealt with, then... then Shame is the last one. Shame, this is always who you're going to be. This is always who you're going to be. But see, it's not always who I'm going to be because I now have an identity as a bride. Now, I may have things in my, my flesh that still I'm working out and there's habits and things that still tend to want to bring me in that direction, but that is not my identity. That's not who I am. And so if I find myself in a place where I know I've crossed the line, I can say, you know what? This is not who I am. This is not what you've called me to be. I'm called to be a bride. Thank you for loving me. And I heard a great sermon once by um, my guy said he prays that way every time. And I started praying that. And man, it's, it's powerful. Because, see, 1 John 1, 9 says, confess your sins one to another. Me to you, Lord. Confessing. And he is faithful. He's faithful and just, which always amazes. He's the just one who says, I will wash you of all unrighteousness. All. So as I can, and why is that? It's because when I confess my sin, what I'm doing is I'm calling it sin. You know what? That's not sin. I'm not making light of it. I'm not trying to cover it up. I'm not trying to say that it's okay. And that somehow, you know, in this instance, it's okay because, and I go through this whole thing. I'm calling it sin. So what I'm doing when I call it sin I'm declaring who he is. Because when he says it's sin, and I agree with him, I'm acknowledging him as God. Amen. Right? And so then that's like the king in the banquet. You're the king. I'll put the, I'll put the robe on. I'll put the, I'll put the, the bridal garment on. Amen? Amen. <laughs> so, okay, Sharon. Let's go to the next one. But I have to believe it. I have, to, I, have to, I have to believe it. So if you declare Jesus is Lord, what I'm saying is what you've done for me, I believe it. That I'm secure in what you've done. Even though all these other things are trying to tell me it isn't, I'm secure in what you've said. I believe it. And I can say it, but see, what I believe in my heart will, re- will be revealed by what I do. So I don't do the things I used to do, right? Because I, what I believe in my heart. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, 
how do I do this? And I did kind of already, I'm jumping around here, but if we go to the next slide, Colossians 3, talks about putting on the new self, set my heart on things above. I, I'm not focused on the things of this world, right? And that's why we read the word, because that brings us, and we meet together, and this is what you're doing today. We're all wearing the garment today. This is what it looks like to come together, to meet, to share, to sing, and to, to, to share in what's going on. Like Ramon was sharing, like, hey, I'm just encouraged. It was so awesome. This is what the Lord did for me. He'll do it for you. Amen? And so this is putting on the garment. So I've taken off the old self with its practices and I've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. I'm being transformed into his image. As I wear the garment, I am being transformed into his image as the righteous bride without spot or wrinkle. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, that's all I have for you. <laughs> so <laughs> I could keep going, but... <laughs> Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 <laughs> Sharon, you bring me down a little bit. God is so good. Bringing people in Amen. this is just are awesome in leading in worship, awesome in hospitality, awesome in, in teaching the word. And so. There was a little a bit of a longer day today, not because of Alan. Actually, <laughs> it's all right, brother. Made me look right. bad in my life. <laughs> but just because of what the Holy Spirit is doing, so I just want to encourage you, if you want to stay in the presence, just to kind of sit in it before you go, please feel free to. But there's also coffee and some snacks downstairs if you like, or some fellowship, but also feel free to to go as you, as you feel led and have a wonderful week. There's something that I wrote in, the, in my Bible before we just kind of send this off that Alan said in reference to Matthew chapter 22 it says the wedding feast is not a question of striving but of desire. Amen. So I have that written in my, my little margin there and so I'm going to look over in years to come. Amen. Son of man came to the household of Israel. He said, Here is your Messiah, here is your bridegroom. Many, not all, the majority rejected him for a time. The scripture said the day is coming when all of Israel will declare the goodness of the Lord. But Jesus came to the, the tribe, the nation of Israel, but then he also says, But I've also come to other sheep. I've come for the whole world, for all of the nations. I just encourage you right now, some of us think that the Lord has come for the other person. The person that has their life figured out. The person that has more money. The person that's intelligent. The person that is educated. The person that is well spoken. But in this it says, no, he has come not for those that are able, but those who try out in desire. All are invited to the wedding. Amen. The good, the bad, the ugly, the rich, the poor, the educated, the non-educated. We're all invited. But the only ones that come 
the only ones that are willing to sit at the feast, the ones that have a heart of desire, he says, yes, I want to be here. Yeah.